0: Going on, guys. Welcome to the Fantasy Roundtable Podcast with your host, Matthew Bruni. You can hit me up at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. Alright, what is going on guys? It is Monday, September 17th and I'm going to apologize right off the bat for my voice. If you guys watched the game Saturday night, you'll know that i'm in a great mood i was screaming my ass off those so i have no voice at the moment but didn't want to leave you guys without a podcast and giving you guys my thoughts on the sunday games and obviously the news some of the breaking news has just happened so i'm gonna kind of rough through this uh probably go as quick as i can just to try and save my voice as much as possible but that just to give you guys a heads up to start off the podcast i i under, i apologize that my voice sounds as bad as it does but before we get into any news um, or the games of uh, this past Sunday, we've got to hit with the most important thing that happened for me this weekend... Ohio State Buckeyes defeated the TCU Horned Frogs Saturday night at AT&T Stadium, 40 28, and man, it was one hell of a game. Props to the TCU fans who came out there. You know, as I've discussed, I went, I've been to two games at AT&T Stadium uh, with Ohio State being there. And both times against Oregon for the national championship in 2016 and then this past January against USC, it was like 80% Ohio State fans. TCU, I know it's, it's literally only right down the road, you know, 15-20 minute drive from probably TCU to Arlington still. Props to them for showing up in force. The fans were great. It was such a great game. You know, I honestly thought Ohio State may end up losing that game, especially when uh, Darius Anderson broke. I believe it was like a 98-yard touchdown run on the Buckeyes. Dude looked electric. The whole TCU team looked electric. That defense is seriously legit under Gary Patterson, and I wish them all the best going forward. I would really like to see them make the playoffs and see what they can do. And Darius Anderson opened my eyes a little bit on TCU. I hadn't really been talking about him much as a prospect coming out. Now, he is a junior, so he could actually enter the draft this year. Uh, you know, So it was just great to see him. Uh, another Some guys from Ohio State that really kind of opened my eyes in person, getting to watch him, K.J. Hill. Their wide receiver, he's a junior. Uh, he had another. He had a great game for the Buckeyes. And then obviously their leader, Paris Campbell, who I've talked about before, but just seeing him in person, I mean, it was awesome. Seriously, great game. Um, you know, I, I just I can't say enough about it. But that's why I lost my voice just screaming and thrilled to see that game in person once again seeing the buckeyes and if you guys have a college that you love or an NFL team you love and you've never seen them in person I'm telling you guys go to it you know in my opinion college uh, football games have a better atmosphere than NFL games uh, not quite the love for the teams and you don't have the the bands playing and everybody getting into it there's a not in my opinion as much on the line for NFL uh, as there is college football it's it's seriously one of some of the best Atmospheres uh, for games that I've ever been to. You know, I've only been into one game in the horseshoe. The rest of them have been out of uh, out of the Ohio State's home stadium, but regardless they've been awesome if you've got a favorite college team I would suggest you know mark that off your bucket list here within the near future go you know if you're a fan of whatever college go to their home stadium I know the tickets can be expensive sometimes but it's so worth it just seeing everybody there they're all rooting for your team the bands playing everybody getting hyped with touchdowns and big defensive stops I'm telling you is awesome Saturday night you know created memories for a lifetime with my father and my brother and my mother who came with this as well. Uh, she wasn't with us at the national championship game, but she came to the TCU game. I'm telling you, it was awesome. I wouldn't trade for anything in the world. But now that that's over with, we'll go ahead and we'll jump in and start talking about the uh, breaking news that's happened since last Friday. Alright, guys, so if you somehow missed it, uh, last Sunday was just a horrible day for NFL kickers around the league. We had multiple kickers, Daniel Carlson and Shane Gonzalez. I'm sorry, Zane Gonzalez, um, to be more specific, had horrible days for the Minnesota Vikings and the Cleveland Browns, uh, and it cost them their jobs today. I would like to say as a huge Browns fan myself, um, I don't wish they would have cut Zane Gonzalez. Kickers are going to have bad days, and yes, he, he cost us the win this week. I can't. Put the loss on week one on him. If you really really watched the play that the kick was blocked, uh, the offensive lineman had to choose between two defenders to block, which isn't you know good for him to begin with. But then he, in my opinion, chose the wrong guy. You're always going to want to block T.J. Watt, uh, but I can't fault him for a blocked kick. Uh, yes, he had a horrible game Sunday, but Tyrod Taylor had a huge uh, interception at the end of the game that caught, allowed the Saints to go down the field and score. Yet nobody talks about that. Um, you know, it was just bad game all around. The, the Browns decided not to play Josh Gordon at all because of a quote-unquote hamstring injury. Realistically, it looks like they were upset with him showing up to the facility 30 minutes late. And now he's been traded, which we'll, we'll get into next. So, But Zane Gonzalez lost his job for the Browns. They have signed uh, Greg Joseph, who is out of—sorry, uh, nah, he was— A former kicker for the Miami Dolphins, uh, yet his field goal kicking percent is 65%. So that makes no sense to me whatsoever. Uh, I feel like the Browns are going to end up regretting this. While was saying Gonzalez is an elite kicker, no. But then bringing in a guy who has a worse kicking percentage than him just makes no sense. And as much as I'm a Browns fan, I hate to admit this is just the most Cleveland Browns thing to do. Cut a guy who's better than what you just picked up and expect him to now do the job better. It's fucking stupid, but... Whatever. I'm not even going to worry about that anymore. Daniel Carlson lost his job in Minnesota, and they are picking up Dan Bailey. Uh, For me, this is huge. Uh, Cowboys fans will be able to tell you how good Bailey has been the past couple years. He's the second most accurate kicker in NFL history. Um, He's also a very good kicker distance-wise, and now adding that onto an already loaded Vikings team in the NFC, I think just continues to boost them up and make them the favorites in the NFC. Next up, after another huge weekend by um Ryan Fitzmagic, and I would sing right now, but my voice I can it's gonna sound even worse. Um now Dirk Cutter has come out and say that he cannot guarantee that Jameis Winston will be the starting quarterback when he comes back. Um I still would think he is unless Fitzmagic goes out there and puts up huge points again this week. But I, I honestly don't see that happening. Um, Carson Wentz has been cleared medically and will play this Sunday. Which is very surprising to me. I know Nick Foles has not been able to get it done for the Eagles, but I really thought that he would get at least one more shot uh, to allow Foles one more week to kind of heal that knee and then come back in week four. But they're going to go ahead and throw him out there now. I can understand it as the Eagles are now 1-2. I'm sorry, 1-1. One and, one. and with the possibility of going 1-2, they don't want to risk it. So they're going to throw him out there. I, I personally, like I said, I would take the long view on it. Carson Wentz is your franchise quarterback. I would not rush him out there, but... They're going to. And then, of course, the biggest news of today, at least from my perspective, Josh Gordon has been traded to the New England Patriots for a fucking fifth-round pick. This is ridiculous. So I'm going to jump into this real quick on both sides. So from everything that's been coming out of Cleveland, it's because he showed up to the facility on Saturday 30 minutes late. He had a treatment for his hamstring injury, which apparently is a realistic injury for him. But they decided that they didn't want to put up with it anymore because he showed up 30 minutes late. They felt that the way he was acting, he wasn't acting normal and he was using or was uh, abusing substances again, however you guys want to word it. Um, And they decided that they just can't put up with it anymore. How a 30-minute meeting or showing up 30 minutes late is not having it anymore, I have no idea. After everything they've put up with with this guy, that was the final straw. I mean, I guess you've got to draw the line somewhere, but... This is just ridiculous, in my opinion. John Dorsey's come out and said that he wants to set an example and a certain kind of uh, you know, locker room atmosphere, and he doesn't feel that, like the way Gordon is going about his business is the right way or how he wants his team to look. Said, I mean, I think it's stupid. I love Juice. I love Jarvis Landry, but Gordon is by far the most talented wide receiver on that roster. I like the play that Antonio Callaway made this weekend, but he's nowhere close to what Gordon is right now. Uh, maybe he'll get there one day, so trading him to the New England Patriots for a fifth rounder, I just don't understand at all. On New England side of things, um, there's a lot of people who are hesitant about this because of gordon's substance abuse in the past and that they're afraid that it's going to be a another suspension uh there's been a lot of reports have come out that say that he is not going to be suspended it is not due to substance abuse that all this stuff happened. so we will see in my opinion gordon quickly becomes the second best wide receiver to ever play with randy moss outside with randy moss with tom brady outside of randy moss um, you know i know that Tom's probably retiring in a couple years, but that's more than enough time to continue to get great work out of Josh Gordon he probably won't play this week, i would think uh but he'll definitely i would think be in there next week and in my opinion he immediately jumps up to a wide receiver too um to make room for josh Gordon they did cut former uh for uh, Brown's first rounder Corey Coleman, which is kind of uh i guess that's a little ironic. Or it's a little bit ironic that they just signed him to a one-year deal, and now they get Gordon and, and Coleman's out the door, which is kind of the issue that happened to him in Cleveland. And, of course, as um, John Dorsey broke down in the press conference what happened, here's, what he, um, here's how the fans took it, and then uh, here's what the fans heard, and then here was their reaction to the Josh Gordon trade earlier this afternoon. <clears throat> Listen up, everybody. I have some news. We are screwed. No god! No god! Please no! 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 Realistically, the only thing that could be worse was him getting traded to the Steelers. So I I just I can't believe it. I I hated this. Someone who owns Gordon in a lot of leagues. Uh, At this point now, I'm just hoping for the best for him. Hoping he can produce in New England. And you know, I, I wish him the best. And in all honesty. As much as it's going to hurt me to say this, I hope in the near future they end up playing in a playoff game and Josh Gordon torches the Browns just to show John Dorsey what a fucking idiot he is being. All right, so now we'll jump in and do the uh, breakdowns uh, for the games this past Sunday, and I'm going to go ahead and start with the Houston Texans losing to the Tennessee Titans 17-20. to So on Texans' side of things, I mean, obviously— DeAndre Hopkins here uh, looked to return to form. Uh, six catches on 11 targets for 110 yards and a touchdown. Obviously looked good. Love D Hop. If you've got him, you're starting him every week. Uh, but Will Fuller was finally back uh, off the injury last week. Uh, and it looked like he picked up right where he left off with Deshaun Watson last year. On eight targets, he got – I'm sorry, on nine targets, he got eight catches for 113 yards and a touchdown. Looked good. And I, I think at this point, if you've got him, you've got to play him as your wide receiver too or flex because he just – whatever reason, him and Watson have a great connection. I just I think he's going to continue this uh, rapport, this connection he has with Watson throughout the entire year. Now is he obviously going to put up a hundred yards and a touchdown every week? No, but just what he's shown in the past. This is a fifth game now. I believe he's worked, played with Deshaun Watson. He's been he's just been on fire, and so you cannot you can't take that out of your lineup. Uh, Lamar Miller looked okay here. 14 rushes for 68 yards. You know, not anything. Um, Excited about. I've never been a big Lamar Miller fan, so you know, take that with a grain of salt on whatever you, whatever I have to say about him if you really like him. But decent day, nothing, nothing outstanding. Um, Deshaun Watson here, so he completed 22 of 32 passes for 310 yards and two touchdowns and an interception. Um, And added five uh, carries for 44 yards on the ground. He looked okay here, but he really didn't look that good through most of the first half. And a lot of people are starting to question Watson and what he really is. I'm personally not that worried about him yet. Uh, He's had a couple tough matchups. And again, I I think everybody was kind of overhyping him a little bit compared to what he had and what he did last year. I think just everybody needs to take a deep breath give him till week 4, 5, or 6 and then let's see where he's at and start judging him as a, as a and uh I was going to say a completed product, but he's not even a completed part product. He's still young. He's got a lot of time to develop. So let's give the kid some time and see what he turns into over the next couple of weeks. On Tennessee's side, uh Marcus Mariota did not play. Um we had Blaine Gabbert taking over for him due to his elbow issues, and they haven't really said what's going on with his elbow. Uh, Mike Vrabel is supposed to speak about it at some point in time today, I believe. Uh, but so until we know more about the elbow, we're not really going to know what's going on. But Blaine Gabbert got the start here. He did okay, you know, nothing outstanding. He did get them the win, thirteen to twenty for one hundred and seventeen yards and a touchdown. So really, the only wide receiver here who had a decent day was Corey Davis. Uh, He had five receptions on seven targets for 55 yards. Taewon Taylor got the touchdown, uh, which was on just a beautiful little dump-off pass, almost like a screen pass that he kind of made some guys miss and made a nice little cut and got himself into the end zone. But uh, not anything in particular, or not anything that I thought was super outstanding. It was just a great play by him. Uh, And then as for the running back, so... I honestly thought Dean Luce was going to have a pretty good game here. He rushed 14 times for 42 yards, uh, only hauled in two targets for a yard here. Now, Derrick Henry, 18 times for 56 yards, actually looked decent. Uh, I'm a little worried about how this backfield's going to shake out for these two. I've been a Deion Lewis, got most of this offseason. I think he's the more talented back, so I'm interested to see how this kind of unfolds next week as Deion Lewis was by far used more often last week and had himself a great game. And while he was still used more than Derrick Henry this week, I feel like Derrick Henry kind of ate into his workload more than I was expecting. Next up, one of the more uh, exciting games of the afternoon was Minnesota-Green Bay, which ended up being a 29-29 tie. This is the first time in NFL history that there's been two ties uh, back-to-back like this last week, obviously the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then this week Minnesota and Green Bay. Starting on Minnesota's side of here, uh, Dalton Cook has still kind of not taken over. This lead role he he had you know 16 rushes last week only 10 this week for 38 yards uh, did get three receptions for 52 for you know a, a decent total here but I'm, I'm really starting to worry about Dalvin Cook. I know everybody keeps saying that his hamstring is fine and he did kind of come up lame with the hamstring. During the game, uh, but it still worries me that he's not getting a full workload yet and he's not fully back. I'm not really sure at this point what it's going to take for him to get fully back. Uh, For the wide receivers here, I mean, Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs were just ridiculous. Thielen, 12 receptions on 13 targets for 131 yards and a touchdown. Stephon Diggs, 9 receptions on 13 targets for 128 yards and 2 touchdowns. And it just goes back to what I was saying Friday. Uh, Even though the targets were were, were actually tied this week, both got 13, you know, Adam Thielen catches more, he's going to be the PPR guy, while Stephon Diggs is going to be the big play guy who's going to get you the touchdowns and everything i do think that continued this week and so if you're really looking for one uh, i would still lean toward Thielen just because he has that chance to score and with the ppr he's going to get you all kinds of he's going to get you buku points with all the catches that he makes um Kirk cousins has just continued to surprise me in a good way 35, 48, 425 yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. Um, Like I've said before, Kirk has always gotten off to a bad start. Usually his first three or four games are not very good. Second week in a row, he's gone over 20 points. He's been outstanding so far this season. And uh, I, I really think it's just this offense, and he's not being asked to do too much. You know, in, in Washington, the offense kind of was revolving around him and he was asked to do everything where now that is not exactly the, not exactly what he's being asked to do. He's got great wide receivers around him, a good tight end in Kyle Rudolph, and a great running back in Dalvin Cook who can kind of help him carry the load. As for Kyle Rudolph, um, no touchdown this week, but did get 72 yards on seven catches. Uh, you know, so still a decent week for a tight end, uh, in, well, for fantasy at least uh for the pack side of things so Aaron Rodgers was able to play uh he he gutted it out you know just props to this dude he's a warrior one of the best quarterbacks in the league I don't understand why people cannot like him I know he's a little bit uh cocky at times but I think you kind of have to be being a quarterback so he went uh 30 for 42 281 yards and just one touchdown in this game While uh, Rodgers wasn't 100% back yet with that knee injury, I felt he looked good. Uh, He's just going to continue to hopefully get better, uh, having more time to kind of rest and then be on it on just Sundays. Uh, So I'm not too worried about him as long as he's on the field. I I still stick with my guys like Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams. Uh, Jamal Williams did not look good again here this week. 16 rushes for 59 yards. Uh, This is Aaron Jones' job when he gets back, which is actually next week. Though I don't think he'll be the starter. This Sunday, just because he, I don't think, he has been able to do much because of the suspension. I would imagine Jamal Williams is going to start again in week three. And then by week four, Aaron Jones will be the starter in Green Bay. As for Green Bay's wide receivers, uh, you know, Devontae Adams, he's a stud. Eight catches on 12 targets for 64 yards and a touchdown. Jimmy Graham came to life this week. Six catches on eight targets for 95 yards. And, you know, bravo to him. I didn't think he was going to be anything here. You know, he's at least for one week showed me up on that. Uh, Geronimo Allison followed up a decent week last week with another decent week this week, six catches on all six of his targets for 64 yards. And then after huge week one, Randall Cobb is now again, faded off into kind of zero relevance, which is where I think he kind of belongs with four catches on six targets for 30 yards. Next up is, uh, Oh my goodness. Uh, the Cleveland Browns and the New Orleans Saints. Cleveland losing 18 21. As I talked about at the beginning of the podcast with Zane Gonzalez, who missed multiple field goals and multiple extra points, uh, the Browns could realistically be sitting here 2 0 right now, and it, it does hurt to see that they're 0 1 1. On the receiving side here, again, Richard Hollywood Higgins showed up big again. Five catches for 47 yards. You know, I know it didn't sound like a lot, but he made a couple key first downs to keep that game going. Uh, and he's going to continue to have to step up here now with Josh Gordon gone. Uh, David Njoku, just 20 yards on four catches. Uh, I'm st- I'm extremely disappointed in what they've been doing with Njoku. He's just a physical freak. And the fact that they cannot get him going, in my opinion, is just is just sad. Uh, you've got a chance to have one of the top tight ends in the league and to be able to not just kind of get him the ball and do things with him, just it, it really does upset me. Uh, Jarvis Landry uh, only got targeted six, ta- seven times. I'm sorry, with five catches, 69 yards. I thought he'd get targeted more. A little surprised that he didn't get his like 15 targets like last week. And then obviously Antonio Callaway, three receptions on four targets, 81 yards and a touchdown. Obviously most of those yards and the touchdown coming on the one big play. That looked like was going to give the Cleveland Browns, not just the lead, but the win. Um, It was a great play. It's exactly what you want to see out of him now that we know Josh Gordon is gone. Well, I'm not sure he's going to take a huge leap forward just yet. I do like the talent. I've said multiple times I think he could end up being the best wide receiver in this class, even ahead of DJ Moore, if given time. And uh, he keeps his off-field issues in check. He seemed to be able to do that now ever since that first kind of uh, marijuana incident during camp so we'll see what happens with him going forward. As for the running back, Carlos Hyde continues to be the bell cow here. 16 touches for 43 yards and a touchdown. Uh, I mean, if you've got Hyde, you got to keep riding on him until he gets hurt. I really don't think Chubb's going to do anything. I don't think he's going to work in or eat into his workload until possibly an injury, and then maybe they just let Hyde go and stick all with Nick Chubb. Uh, Duke Johnson just rushed three times for three yards, caught two passes for seven yards. He's just not being utilized correctly again this year. Uh, I'm not sure what they want out of him. You know, Todd Haley in the past has done a good job of making Le'Veon Bell kind of the future star, or the not a future star, he was already the star, but kind of focusing the offense on him. Uh, They're, for some reason, not doing that with Duke and Jarvis here. I'm not sure why, but... Maybe we'll find out in the coming weeks if they got a different idea or how they're going to run this offense. Uh, For the Saints, uh, Drew Brees had himself a fairly decent day here 28 for 35 and 2, 43 and 2 touchdowns. Uh, I liked what Brees did. uh, Not surprised. uh, More surprised at how the Cleveland Browns defense was able to stop them. I do think that was more the defense and something wrong with the. Saints offense uh Alvin Kamara here rushed 13 times for 46 yards and caught all six of his targets for 53 yards uh, a decent game for him again um I would obviously roll him out there again next week the big uh, the big game for him is going to be coming on week five when Mark Ingram is allowed back. While I still don't see a big workload for Ingram come week five, I do think he'll eat into some of Kamara's work. Uh, Michael Thomas here was leading the wide receiver group yet again. 12 receptions on 13 targets for 89 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, You know, I may have been wrong earlier this offseason when I said he could easily be a three to five wide receiver. He could be the number one wide receiver this year. He's just that damn good, and this offense is just that damn good. I'm excited to see what what the former buck guy michael thomas can do the rest of the year but I, I'm, I'm i'm saying it now you can uh, you can record this or write it down in your notes as of five seventeen p.m on 9 17 i matthew bruning of the fantasy roundtable podcast am calling for michael thomas to finish the year as the number one wide receiver overall in fantasy and recording all right Next up was Teddy Ginn, Theodore Ginn Jr. He had uh, just four catches on seven targets for 55 yards. Again, not bad here, but that's really all they had. Traquan Smith made an appearance with one catch for 18 yards. Uh, You know, until Cam Meredith is fully healthy and able to play in this offense, uh, I don't really think there's going to be a number three wide receiver. I think it's all going to be Thomas again. And, and then once Meredith comes back, I'll be interested to see how he's kind of integrated into this offense and what he can become. Uh, the next game up uh, was another great game this weekend. Carolina losing to Atlanta 24-31. to um, On Carolina side of things, So Christian McCaffrey, there was a lot of talk in the offseason that he would be the bell cow. They would lean on him to rush the ball a lot. Um, Obviously, he's going to get his catches, but they wanted him to run the ball. He only rushed for eight times here uh, for 37 yards. Now, he did catch 14 balls on 15 targets for 102, uh, but it seems to me like they're using him exactly like they did last year. And Not really relying on him to run, but mostly using him in the passing game. He had six receptions last week, 14 this week, Uh, rushing side only 10 last week, eight this week, so he's only at 18. He hasn't even made it to 20 yet, Uh, where most running backs should get 20 carries in a game. Uh, McCaffrey's not even at 20 carries, and he's had two games now, so... Uh, I would, you know, be worried a little bit. I took McCaffrey uh, early in a lot of my drafts just because I thought he was going to get a huge workload running and catching the ball. And it looks like they're trying to steer away from at least the running side of it, at at least right now. That could change, but right now it's not looking good for Christian McCaffrey rushing the ball. Uh, Receiving side of things here, so... Devin Funchess looked decent, had seven catches on nine targets for 77 yards. You know, not a not a huge game, but good enough to get his fantasy owners' attention. Jarius Wright here and Torrey Smith both got touchdowns. Uh, Jarius Wright on five receptions and Torrey Smith on three receptions. Uh, DJ Moore also had a touchdown here. On his uh, he got targeted twice, got one catch for 51 yards and a touch. And, of course, uh, Cam Newton had himself a pretty good game here. Uh, 32 for 45, 335 yards, three touchdowns and one interception. I mean, if we can get this out of Cam every week again, he's going to easily jump up and be that number one quarterback he was a couple years ago. Obviously, if you're a Cam Newton owner, that's what you're hoping for. Um, For me, it's hard to predict that every week. Uh, but I did like what I saw out of him against this Atlanta team and interested to see what he continues to do, move forward, if he goes back to kind of what he was last week with the 170, 80 yards uh, passing or if he's able to kind of boost it up and go more for these 300 games. On Atlanta side of things here, Julio here, uh, right back to where he was a couple weeks ago with everybody talking about how he never gets touchdowns. Five catches on nine targets for 64 yards. Calvin Ridley, four catches on five targets for 64 yards and a touchdown. It's good to see him kind of get involved. Um, I am starting to think that Mohamed Sanu is going to become a nobody here. Just two targets, two receptions for 19 yards. As I've said to multiple people, I really do think Calvin really is going to take over as the number two wide receiver. A lot of people doubted that. Uh, Even though I don't think he's overly talented, I think he's talented enough to beat out Sanu. And then we had an Austin Hooper siding. Five catches on five targets for 59 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Liked what Hooper did here too again. With as weak as the tight end position is for fantasy, it'd be huge if Hooper can finally kind of start producing uh, where we all hoped he could. Uh, so it'll it'll be interesting to see where he goes, uh, but I really do like what he did there for Atlanta. Uh, for the running backs, uh, it was all Tevin Coleman here. As Devonta Freeman was out, uh, Coleman rushed 16 times for 107 yards. It looked good. Obviously, contributed in the passing game. Guy I wanted to touch on here though was Ito Smith. Now he's a guy earlier in the year, and I'm not sure if it's on the podcast or just on Twitter and through some of my articles for Dynasty Guru. I've been I've been. Po- promoting up Edo Smith uh, because I think he's actually the new Tevin Coleman uh, as I've talked about before I don't think Tevin Coleman's gonna be back with Atlanta after this year he will be a free agent and I do think Edo Smith can do exactly what Tevin Coleman is doing for this offense uh, he rushed nine times for 46 yards you know had himself a decent game here and I, like I said I really like to see what he can do here hopefully if he should get some work as long as freeman is out Uh, they haven't really said if freeman is going to be out next week or not he's more of a a day-to-day injury is the way that they've put it so we'll see what happens with him but uh someone i'm definitely watching or and if you're in a dynasty league or somewhere and he's not been picked up i would definitely grab him now uh, because you could have a pretty decent guy on your hands for next year Next up, we had a game that I was hoping would be a fantasy bonanza in the Indianapolis Colts losing to the Washington – I'm sorry, Indianapolis Colts beating the Washington Redskins 21-9. T.Y. Hilton here went off. My boy, T.Y., who I just traded, and I hate myself for it. Seven receptions on 11 targets for 83 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Eric Ebron here as well. Again, talked about it all offseason. They're going to use this guy in the slot. Uh, Jack Doyle is going to stay in blocking. Now, Jack Doyle got one more target, but only two catches for 20 yards. Eric Ebron, three catches for 26 yards, but the touchdown. For whatever reason, even though Luck keeps talking of Doyle, Jack Doyle, he's going to Eric Ebron in the red zone, and Ebron's not struggling with the drops this year like he has in the past. I'm telling you guys, Ebron's the tight end to own in Indy, and other than that, man, I I, I don't know. There's really nothing else for this offense. It's all um, Eric Ebron and T Y Hilton. Uh, you know, hopefully Jack Doyle, if he gets to where he was last week with the receptions, he'll still be a decent uh, flex pay. Flex play or lower end tight end one, high end tight end two. But Ebron, in my opinion, is going to continue to get all the work here in the red zone. Uh, so Marlon Mack came back. Uh, he played this week for uh, for the Colts. Uh, just had 10 rushes for 34 yards. So, you know, not bad here. I still, like I've said multiple times, like Wilkins over him. Uh, but as long as Mack is in, Wilkins is not going to get a lot of work. Um, Hines here looked decent as well. I think regardless of who in, he's going to get his. Uh, he did get a touchdown in this game rushing the ball, and I've, as I've said before, I think he's a very underrated rusher as well. Uh, so definitely interested in Hines more than the other two because I think Wilkins and Mac will cannibalize each other here while Hines has kind of carved out himself a role in this offense. Um, Andrew Luck here did not have a particularly good day. Uh, maybe it was because they were up most of the game, but uh, he went 39 for 50. 53. Uh, oh, oh. I am so wrong on that. I was looking at the wrong stat page. That would have been Cincinnati, dumbass. Uh, for Washington, he went 21 of 31 for 179 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Again, you know, it is somewhat good to see him not throwing 53 times like he did against Cincinnati. In my opinion, you don't want to see that. I would like to see him throw a little bit more than 31 times. Uh, he likely kind of probably hurts you if you had him in your lineup this week just because he really didn't put up that many yards but i would imagine that this is kind of a not this is not going to happen much for them i don't expect them to win a whole lot of games or be up the way that they were in so many games so just kind of take it with what it is. He's going to have his great weeks, and he's going to have his bad weeks. Now, I'm watching the inside of things here. So, Alex Smith, despite the loss, had a decent day, I guess. 33 for 46 for 292, but no touchdowns. Uh, obviously, no interceptions either. If he would have had at least one touchdown, I think that would have helped his day a little bit here. Uh, surprised that he couldn't make it a little bit more competitive, as bad as the Colts' uh, defense is. Uh, Chris Thompson, though, again, just ranked in this offense. Offense: 13 catches on 14 targets for 92 yards. Uh, While well, he didn't, um, <clears throat> excuse me, factor in much in the rushing. Just literally one rush for one yard, or I'm sorry, one yard on four carries. Just he's he's going to continue getting the the dump off targets uh, that Out Smith likes to do. I. Thought he had a great game himself. I think for me, he's a a flex play every week unless he gets hurt again. Uh, Adrian Peterson here obviously took a huge step back. uh, 20 yards on 11 carries. He did get three catches for 30 yards, so that's something we weren't all expecting was for him to get the catching work, but still not a great day here. Uh, That may have been a product of the game flow and them being down, Uh, so I'd wait to reserve judgment on Peterson until we kind of see him again next week and what he does. But as I said last week, if it were me, I would have already traded him after that week because I just don't believe he'll be able to hold up throughout the season. Uh, Jordan Reed looked good here again. Uh, hopefully he continues to stay healthy. Uh, he's really looked good these past two games. And, health and jo- healthy Jordan Reed is going to be great for any of those o- owners who were able to take him later in their drafts. Uh, six uh, six catches on eight targets for 55 yards. Um, the only other wide receiver that really did much here was Paul Richardson. Four catches on six targets for 63 yards. So you no, know, just a bad day for the Redskins offense all around as a whole. You know, hopefully we'll see them get better next week. They looked really good week one, took a huge step back in week two. Uh, Next up, we've got Philadelphia losing to the Buccaneers 21 to 27. And just to give you guys a heads up before I break this down, uh, I'm probably only going to do seven of the game today just because my my voice is so bad and my throat is so messed up. Uh, And then I'll kind of jump on. Tomorrow, uh and kind of produce a I'll put out a podcast after John does his usual Tuesday stuff with the rest of the games and my thoughts on them just to to kind of give my my voice a little bit of a break because I'd like to be able to do this all week and I feel like it's just getting worse and and bothering me more and more so I don't want to have to go a couple days without doing the podcast so anyways besides that let's jump back in Philly here so Zach Ertz uh you know just continues to be a dominant tight end 11 catches on 13 targets for 90 Four yards. Nelson Aguilar, you know, I talked about it. I thought they were going to go to him a lot. They did. He got eight receptions on 12 targets for 88 yards and a touch. Uh, so Mike Wallace got hurt here in this game. So did Jay Ajayi. Uh, we'll start with Wallace. Wallace had a fractured fibula. He's out. Uh, there's no timetable on his return that I've seen. Uh, that's really going to hurt this offense, but I think it's really going to help Nelson Aguilar. It's just going to keep boasting him up. You know, Alshon Jeffrey. They came out today and again reiterated he's week to week. We already expected that. I do expect him to come back probably by week four. Um, you know, they did say that they thought it would take about three to four weeks. So I could, I imagine he'll be back by week four. I could be wrong. Uh, Darren Sproles didn't play in this game due to a hamstring. Uh, Jay Ajayi. Uh, rushed seven you know, seven times for twenty three yards. Uh, Ed did get a touchdown here. Was dealing with some knee issues. Came out of the game. I'm sorry, it was his back bothering him uh, with the back issue. So definitely something to watch. As I've said, I'm not a huge fan of Ajayi. I I, I like him. Uh, I just don't expect him to do much for fantasy this year. That that backfield is too crowded. Uh, But Corey Clement did show up this week after kind of being non-existent last week. Uh, Rushed six times for 30 yards, got the touchdown, caught five of his six targets for 55 yards. Uh, So, again, I'd continue to watch Clement. I do think he's going to end up being the guy to own in this backfield over at Jai as the season is on. And then, of course, Nick Foles here, uh, you know, 35 of 48 for 334 yards and a touchdown. Much better than week one, but still couldn't get it done. And as we discussed in the breaking news segment, he has now been benched. Carson Wentz will be back. He will play week three, or at least as long as he's healthy. Like I've said, that does still worry me a little bit um, that he's coming back this week. I would think they'd try and give him a couple more weeks being the franchise quarterback. But... You know, I'm, I'm not an NFL GM and or head coach. My job is not on the line, although I don't think theirs is after just winning the Super Bowl. But you never know. Um, the NFL is very much a what have you done for me lately game. So we will. I'm definitely excited to see once back out there. I do think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And from everything we're reading and being told, he will be out there Sunday. So, on Tampa Bay's side, obviously, Ryan fits magic. He, he just did it again. If you guys didn't see his press conference, uh, you gotta look it up. It's pretty funny. He came out wearing Djax clothes, just looking straight. Pimped out Conor McGregor's dad is what I thought of when I saw him. Uh so seriously, we haven't seen it check it out, but it, you know, great game again. 27 to 33, 402 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. You know, over 400 yards again, 81% completion percentage. Just ridiculous. And again, so when it comes to Ryan Fitzpatrick though, we got we have to remember that this is always what he's been. He's been good at times, but then you can never take out the fact that he that he could go out this next week and throw five interceptions in 100 yards because that's who Ryan Fitzpatrick is. He has these great stretches where he looks like a Hall of Famer, and then next week he looks like someone who shouldn't even be playing in the NFL anymore. So let's not get too high up on Ryan Fitzpatrick. Maybe he's figured it out. I would just think at this point in his career he hasn't. Uh, So Peyton Barber here, the running back for the Buccaneers, uh, just managed 22 yards on 16 carries. Yet Ronald Jones isn't good enough to start in this backfield. And this is exactly why I said, and I believe it was like the first podcast I did, that Dirk Cutter and everybody on Tampa Bay coaching staff are fucking idiots. Uh, They likely will not be back next year, and Ronald Jones is going to be a breakout candidate next year. Uh, He's extremely good. Why? He's not getting any kind of look here over Peyton Barber. I have no idea because Peyton Barber is just a guy. For the wide receivers, Mike Evans, a huge day again, 10 receptions on 12 targets for 83 yards and a touchdown. Chris Godwin, five catches on six targets, 56 yards and a touchdown. And then O.J. Howard, 96 yards on three catches and a touchdown, mostly done by O.J. Howard here. Don't let that stat line fool you thinking he was open deep or something. He made that play by making a guy miss and run and down the sideline. Um, Really quick on Cameron Braid. I think as long as Fitzpatrick's out there, Braid is kind of uh, dead. I would avoid him at all costs. Uh, I know a lot of people were high on Bray because of how often Winston targets him. But for whatever reason, when Fitzpatrick's out there, he just doesn't even look at him. So as long as Fitzpatrick's playing, if you've got Bray, just fade him. Don't mess with him. And then, of course, last but not least, d the Deshaun Jackson. Four catches on four targets for 129 yards and a touchdown. And it's the same thing for Deshaun Jackson. And it is O.J. Howard. When Fitz Magic is out there, he looks to these two guys for some reason when James went Winston doesn't, so as long as Fitzpatrick's playing, play Deshaun Jackson, because he's going to get open, and Fitzger- Fitzpatrick loves to hit him, uh, when James comes back, I wouldn't expect that much. Alright, so then the second to last uh, game that I'm going to break down today, Kansas, the shootout that we called for this past weekend, the Fantasy Bonanza, 42-37, to 37, the Chiefs knocking off the Steelers on kansas city side of things i mean guys it's not a secret anymore if you haven't heard patrick mahomes he's fucking good baby monkey's out of the bottle man what yeah that's not even an expression pandora doesn't go back in the box he only comes out Patty Ice just continues to light it up, man. 23 of 28 for 326 yards and six touchdowns. At one point, I believe he had completed like five, three touchdowns and th- three passes or some crazy shit like that. Like this dude has just been unreal putting up video game numbers. Like you would think this dude is out there playing Madden with himself just trying to show the world how good he is. Love loved watching this kid play the past two weeks, and I'll admit it, I was wrong. Uh, You know, i really wanted to wait and see what this guy could do. Uh, You know, I I trust Andy Reid. He's been a very good NFL coach his career. Uh, He's done a very good job developing quarterbacks. You go all the way back to Donovan McNabb when he brought Alex Smith over to the Chiefs. And a lot of people thought that was a bad move that uh, Alex Smith had just had the one good year in San Francisco. He didn't know what he was doing. Look what he did with Alex Smith. But Patrick Mahomes, I mean, he's got all the gifts in the world to be a just— Top, top elite quarterback, and Andy Reid is getting the best out of him. And I'm just going to say this now, though, and I'm, I'm not meeting this as a knock on Patrick Mahomes. We do, I think, need to calm down just a little bit. Uh, Pittsburgh, their defense was beaten up by Cleveland. Uh, you know, San Diego, I'll give it to them on San Diego. Even though Bose was out, Ingram was hurt, and Brett was out. You know, Mahomes is just, he's elite. You're going to have to play him every week now at this point. I don't think there's any way you can sit him. If you sit him, you're fucking stupid. Uh, obviously, he's a legit quarterback. But let's not build the bus for him in, in the Hall of Fame just yet. It is still only two games, but I, I'm fully ready to admit that I was wrong about him 100%. This kid is legit. You know, if you've got him, count your blessings because you've got a franchise quarterback, at least uh, fantasy-wise, and I think realistically in NFL-wise as well, for probably the next decade. Uh, Kareem Hunt had a better game here. 18 rushes for 75 yards. Uh, did catch a 5-yard uh, touchdown. Against the Steelers, you know, hopefully they continue to get him more involved. I feel like sometimes Andy Reid forgets that he's got a very good running back in his backfield with the way he plays. Uh, But then again, I guess when you've got Patrick Mahomes throwing it all around the field like he does, it's very easy to forget you've got a stud running back in the backfield. Uh, For his wide receivers, you know, Travis Kelsey, everybody was worried about Travis Kelsey. Seven catches on 10 targets, 109 yards and two touchdowns. He's back, baby. Kelsey's back. Don't worry about him anymore. He's there. I told you guys it's just against the Chargers. Whatever it is, they bring out the kryptonite. Kelsey can't play. He doesn't know what to do. He gets confused. You know, he's so beautiful. He's got the nice hair. He's checking out the girls in the stands in L.A. And he's like, oh, damn, look at that little cutie right there. Forgets all about the football game. Guys, don't worry about it. He only has to play the Chargers one more time. Don't play him. Well, you probably have to play him that week, but he's going to suck that week. My rest of the year, just play the dude. He's an all-out stud. Sammy Watkins finally showed up, just uh, reaffirming to everybody in the fantasy community, he is still alive. He's doing well. You know, he hasn't retired yet. Six catches on seven targets for 100 yards. I honestly don't expect that to happen again for Sammy, but it was good to see him out there. If he continues to do this, obviously, if you're a Sammy Watkins owner, you'll be thrilled, uh, but I still view him as a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three. Tyree Kill yet again five catches on six targets for 90 yards and a touchdown. I mean uh, he's averaging 18 yards a catch. I just I don't even know what to do with it anymore. Todd Freak is legit amazing. I think he has a chance to be a top five pick next year, especially if this production keeps coming. And then last but not least, I mean, you got two more guys that caught touchdowns uh, Chris Conley and Demarcus Robinson. I don't think either one are really relevant for fantasy, but they did catch touchdowns this week with Patrick Mahomes, so I figured I'd throw them out there. Uh, On Pittsburgh's side of things here, so Pittsburgh got down fairly early against um, the Chiefs. I believe at one point it was like 21 to nothing. Big Ben finally decided to show up. Maybe the elbow was bothering him a little bit more than we were led to believe at the beginning of the game. But he came out here and went 39 for 60 for 452 yards and three touchdowns. Just ridiculous. I mean, he he really kind of brought himself back to life in this game and that Steelers offense. I believe he put up like 45 points for fantasy owners as well. Uh, Juju had himself another great game, 13 receptions on 19 targets, 121 yards and a touchdown. So I know this is going to be crazy when I say it, but I've just got to, I think Juju is the go-to wide receiver now in Pittsburgh over Antonio Brown. Uh, You know, I, I love AB. He's one of the best wide receivers I've ever seen play the game and coming from a Browns fan. that is hard for me to admit. Uh, but Juju just seems to be unstoppable at times. He's getting the better matchups because most of the top corners are going to fade or not fade him, but go toward AB. They're going to try and shut down AB and Juju just getting all the better matchups and just torching people here. Uh, uh got a catch here as well, or a catch, a touchdown here as well. Just the one catch, though, in 14 yards. Uh, I liked seeing him get that touchdown, but for me, he's not very – fantasy, not have real any fantasy value as of yet. Uh, James Conner, besides the rushing, which we'll get to in a minute, five catches on five uh, targets for 48 yards. And then Jesse James, 138 yards on five receptions, targeted five times, and the touchdown. Um I think that one, if Fans McDonald is going to continue to be out, I think Jesse James is someone you have to look at and someone that I would add in uh, to your lineup if you can. Once Vance McDonald comes back, I would not mess with Jesse James, but until he does, Jesse James could be a top-12 tight end every week. Uh, for the rushing side of things here, so James Conner only rushed eight times for 17 yards. Did get a touchdown as well, though. Uh, you know, So obviously not the huge game like week one, like we call for, but still came through for you fantasy-wise with the, t- with the touchdown, and then obviously the catches as well, the five receptions. Uh, you know, still no word on when LeVeon Bell will be back. We'll we'll see. I still think that he probably comes back toward the end of this month, not the ten week period like a lot of people think. But until then, Connor, I mean he he's a he's a must own and must play. Every single week. Oh, and I apologize on the tight end thing. Vance McDonald is back. I said when he gets back. But I don't think he's fully healthy yet. I don't think he's fully ingrained in the offense. Um, so I would still think a couple more weeks you could get top tight end production out of Jesse James. And then I do think Vance McDonald's going to take over. All right. So then the last game that I'm going to break down today, and like I said, I'll get to the rest of them tomorrow Miami defeating the Jets 20 12. So. Uh, For the receiving side of things here, Albert Wilson, three catches on five targets for 37 yards and a touch. Uh, Kenyon Drake continue to look good here, four receptions on four targets for 17 yards. Danny Amendola, who did get hurt in this game, four catches on four targets uh for 32 yards we'll touch on the injury here in just a second uh but wanted to get on to kenny stills after having a huge game last week just two catches on 13 on 13 targets three targets for, I believe it was 17 yards. He yeah, had 17 yards. So uh, I don't think this is a bad thing for Kenny Stills. You know, he's not going to go off every week. I still think he's kind of the main guy there as long as Devontae Parker doesn't play. Uh, Parker said that he was uh, he could play last week or this past Sunday, yesterday, uh, but didn't get a chance and was kind of upset about it. You know, that is what it is. I don't trust Parker anyways because he's just not – He's just consistently hurt. I think it's the only thing he has going for him. Uh, So Danny Amendola, I believe it was a concussion. They're not saying anything on it, um, so I'm guessing that he's fine. If if that changes, we'll definitely jump into that later in the week. Uh, But as of right now, it's really not saying anything on any kind of injury for him. So in all honesty, I wouldn't worry about it. Uh, For the running backs here from Miami, obviously Kenyon Drake, we talked about the catches he had. Uh, Rushing-wise, though, he only rushed 11 times for 53 yards. He did get the touchdown. Uh, It was a nice touchdown run, but Frank Gore, nine times for 25 yards. um, Obviously not quite as productive as he was week one and or outproducing Kenyon Drake. Um, Caleb Balazs was a healthy scratcher, so I think yeah, for Kenny and Drake fans, that's a good thing that's shown that they really believe in these two. Uh, personally, well, I think Frank Gore just needs to go away. Maybe not completely, but... I don't think he should be getting as many carries as he get. He has been. I think Kenyon Drake is the man here and why Adam Case just refuses to let him be the work horseback. Maybe he knows something we don't, and I'm just not seeing it. Uh, Ryan Tannehill here, 17-23 to 23 for 168 yards and two touchdowns. You know, good day, not a great day. I think he looks a little bit better this week against a good Jets defense than what he did last week. Um, And as I touched on last week, I think you kind of have to throw that game out the window because it was like a five and a half hour game due to the lightning strike delays and everything. So definitely intrigued to see what Hill can do, especially if he starts running a little bit more uh, and adding that fantasy value with his legs. Uh, That'll definitely kind of boost him up the quarterback uh, fantasy charts at least. Uh, for the Jets side of things here, so Quincy and Nunwa, I didn't think he would have such a good game he game, he proved me wrong. Seven catches on um, eleven targets for ninety-two yards. Terrell Pryor talked about him in the offseason. This dude was legit wide receiver one for the Cleveland Browns a couple years ago. Last year, he was hurt all year. He admitted that he could not play as good as he wanted to, and it cost him Four catches on eight targets for 84 yards. Guys, he's someone to watch for here. I know a lot of people love Robbie Anderson. Three catches on five targets for 27 yards. I really think Terrell Price is the go-to guy here. He's a big wide receiver. He's got decent speed, good hands, um, you know, chances are he's not owned in many leagues. Is definitely someone I would watch for because I think the more he kind of gets in groove with Sam Darnold, this could be a huge target for Darnold, and I'm telling you, he could be a league winner late in the year, especially at least redraft leagues. Uh, Belial Powell uh, produced in the passing game as well here. Uh, five receptions on six targets for 74 yards and a touchdown. Um, on the rushing side of things here, For them, though, Uh, it was a pretty even split between him and Isaiah Cruel. You know, Cruel only managed the 35 yards on the 12 carries, uh, did get four yards on three catches. Not anything to be super proud of here, but then Pal rushed only five yards for five times for six yards, but he did get the 74 yards and the touchdown in the receiving game. Um, I think if I had to choose, I'm still sticking with Pal. I've been saying it all offseason, saying it in the podcast. Powell can just do more. A uh, uh, Crowell, while he can catch the ball, he's not nearly as good as Powell is at it. So I would stick with Powell if I had to have one of these guys. Though, in all honesty, if I could, I'd avoid both of them if possible. Okay, so lastly for the Jets, and the last thing we'll touch on before we end the podcast, not Sam Darnold, twenty-five for forty-one, three thirty-four touchdown and two interceptions. Uh, you know, he's still looking good. We guys, we got to remember, he's only twenty-one years old. If you own him in a dynasty league, I think you've got to be thrilled with what you've seen from him so far. I think he's easily been the best rookie quarterback we've seen. I would love to see Baker out there. He's not going to be out there, at least not right now. Uh, so, But Darnold, he's looked good. I think he's going to just continue to get better and better. The ceiling is high for this kid. Uh, so definitely interested to see how he plays at least this coming Thursday against my Cleveland Browns and how well he does in that. Game. So that'll be it uh, for the breakdowns today. Like I said, I'll touch on the other seven games um, tomorrow, and I'll even probably give my take on the Monday night game. Although I know John will break down Monday night as well. Uh, so we'll see. I may just let him do it and just touch on the last few remaining Sunday games. But other than that, you guys, you know, thanks again for listening. Sorry for my voice. Uh, you know, I don't know if it sounds as bad as I think it does, but my throat is just killing me, man. Way too much screaming when Ohio State scored and, and did great things on the defensive side. So, again, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you up with you guys tomorrow. Peace. Thank you again for listening to the Fantasy Roundtable Podcast. Check us out on Twitter, FLA Blog on Medium, and come back tomorrow for our brand new episode. Have a great day, guys.